Vladimir Klitschko is one driven individual and to see the determination in his eyes tells me that this is one hell of a tough fight for Anthony Joshua. Eddie, I just, are you promoting Vladimir as well? My goal and target to become three-time world champion. <laughs> when I will win this fight, I will help you to come back. It's all about winning. <laughs> this is a fight that can change from champion to legend overnight, right? <laughs> we'll come together and put on a great show. It's history. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my goal to become champion again. And you believe you will become a three-time champion on this stage? You're not listening to my English. <laughs> I'm obsessed. All right, Raymond, back again on the Ring of Bell podcast. This time we're here to talk about Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. Fight took place April 29th, 2017. Unfortunately, there was no name for the fight. No name. Like I normally like, you know, Battle of Titans or something like that. There's, there's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Nicknames, though, AJ, kind of whatever. Right. Versus Dr. Steelhammer, which is a pretty dope, <laughs> pretty dope name. Nice. Um, uh, obviously, it was an amazing fight. Signaled the official end of the Klitschko family dominance. Yep. I mean, the back and forth of this fight was incredible. Um, the stage was incredible being at Wembley. But uh, ultimately, in the 11th round, uh, devastating power shots by Joshua caused the referee to stop the fight before Vladimir could put Joshua down for a third time in that round. Mm-hmm. Cost of the fight? Was it on pay-per-view in, H- in America? I don't think it was. It was on pay-per-view in the U.S. too. Oh, on Showtime it was. It was, no, it was HB, no, HBO replayed it after. What was it? 20 bucks. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry, 20 pounds. It was 20 pounds, which is 25 bucks, give or take. Okay. And then for some reason in Ireland it was uh, 25 euros for them, so I feel like they were always getting like the shitty end of the stick. That was about 30 bucks back then, so... Hmm. Uh, number one movie at the time? 2017? Uh, April? April? End of April 2017. Probably like the Avengers or something. I feel like you guess the Avengers every time, man. <laughs> <laughs> the Fate of the Furious? I think that was the one after Paul Walker died. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this, this series has run its course, but there's been like three there's, movies since then. They're still so. coming out. Uh, number one song? Out. One of my least favorite songs of all time? Number one song in 2017? Of, of that time? time, yeah. Shoot, man. I don't know, Justin Bieber. <laughs> it's my favorite part of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. Oh, wow. I don't even think I've ever heard that song. You have. I probably have. You have, yeah. yeah, you, yeah, just, yeah. you just wouldn't have, uh, have realized that's the name of it. Anyways, I ain't going to sit here and try to, to do it. remember. I remember where I was when I watched this fight. I thought you were going to say the first time you heard that song. No, dude. <laughs> I was at a uh, bar in San Jose, California. Okay. At this, like... I was in the basement of the bar because the bartender didn't want to show the fight okay. in his, like, you know, on the main area. And it was, like, uh, 2 o'clock on a Saturday. No one else was there except my brother Peter and my cousin Mosses. And we just watched <laughs> it on this huge screen. It was just the three of us. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I watched it at my house on the couch. Uh, it was, like, an afternoon fight because it was taking place in the in the U.K. Yeah. So for us, it was like midday. Yeah. And being like, man, this is just such an incredible fight. Mm-hmm. So our fights always seem to cover the start or an end of an era. It seems like there, there's something, you know, something going on. Last time we had talked about the Vitali fight versus Lewis and that being kind of the start of the Klitschko's real rise to prominence and, and taking over the heavyweight division. Um, but this fight, I said this was the, the end of the Klitschko dominance because... Coming off of 
uh, coming into this fight, Vladimir had just had that fight where he lost to, to Fury. Right. Which some people could have said that was the end of the dominance because now Fury had kind of taken over the, the lineal title. And now it's like, does he have a chance now against Joshua to, to redeem himself and, and, and show that he's, you know, he, he's ready for another fight with, with Fury right. at that level? But obviously that, that didn't happen. So what would you say is, is the end of the, the Klitschko era? I think it's the Fury fight. You know, I think that uh, this fight was something where Klitschko felt like he could take advantage of a fighter that was going to be straight in front of him. Was They're pretty much the same fighter. But Anthony Joshua is just like 15 or 14 years younger than Klitschko. And they used to be sparring partners. So Klitschko knew a lot about Anthony Joshua before this fight. And, I mean, they were like a carbon copy of each other. So I think that Klitschko felt confident that he could beat Anthony Joshua just because of the fact that he knew so much about him. And in the Fury fight, which was like about a year and a half before this one, he um, seemed lost. He seemed like he couldn't really like keep up with Fury because Fury had so much movement. And Joshua just seemed a little bit more green than uh, Fury at the time. Willing to throw with him more. Right, like coming it was, like straight forward, dude. Right? It was like face to face, like it was like toe to toe the whole time. Not much, not much. Uh, I, I don't remember many like a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot of movement. It was just like heavy dudes, both the same size, just going at it. Although Klitschko was a lot. I think it was like ten pounds. I think smaller. he was. Yeah he, yeah, he had about ten pounds on him. Yeah, you talked about it earlier. Klitschko being ten, fifteen years older than him. He came in at forty-one years old. And you're right, Joshua was 27, 28 years old at the mm-hmm. time. So a clear discrepancy in age. Yeah. And, you know, Klitschko was, had a year and a half off. was a very long layoff for him. And I think he was technically, I'm not sure if he was retired at the time. Then he came back. But, I mean, it was just like a much longer layoff than he's used to. And he was a challenger for the first time in like 10 years. Yeah. Because he had the title for so long. So, it was a big fight. Especially because, you know, it was in, it was in Wembley Stadium. 90,000 people. Do you remember Anthony Joshua's ring entrance? Yeah. Dude, it was like five minutes. It was like <laughs> freaking Ivan Drago, dude. Like, he walks in like, just like a, like a monster, bro. Yeah. That was an incredible scene. Honestly, yeah. just the the whole the whole setting being at Wembley was was incredible. Right. Um, so I want to I want to get back to to uh, talking about Fury for a second, and I know this isn't a podcast about Fury, but you feel like at any point in time over the last seven years, eight years, you can't really have a conversation about the heavyweight division without talking about Tyson Fury. Of course not. Right. I mean, he had beat Vladimir. Then he had, you know, he was fighting with his own demons for a while and, and kind of had to step away for a minute. Yeah. Um, I think there was supposed to be two. There were there were two opportunities for them to get a rematch on the books. And then he just couldn't get he couldn't get it together to have that fight with Klitschko. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like he was just casting this huge shadow over this fight. It was like whoever whoever wins this fight knows that to get back to the, you know, to get to the lineal title, you're going to have to cross paths with, with Fury at some point, right? I think at that point, Fury was still, was probably at his, like, uh, like, heaviest. Yeah. I remember watching, like, an Instagram video, like, a story of his, and he was in bed wishing Anthony Joshua good luck, and his voice was all raspy, a long beard. He must have been, like... <sighs> Maybe close to 400 pounds in that video. Yeah. So, at that point, I think he was pretty much out of the game. And he didn't really get into the game until Joshua wouldn't fight Wilder. And Fury was like, I'm going to come back and fight Wilder for, yeah. for yeah. Britain. The end of this fight had me questioning if Fury would be able to catch up with, with Joshua, right? Joshua's this ascending star... Right, this amazing physical specimen, Fury, kind of like you said, is you know put on all this weight and didn't seem like he had the fight in him anymore. And then you know Klitschko's probably bowing out after this fight, so it right. seemed like it was it was Joshua's turn to to shine. Well, you got to look at the business of boxing. All these people backing up Joshua, right? Like he has Eddie Hearn, he has Sky Sports, he has 
I don't even, was the zone around at the time. I'm not sure, but yeah, I don't like, think that deal was on the books yet. That huge deal. It was the, the that. Zone, no. Okay, no. so like he was just undefeated Olympic gold medalist, huge guy, muscles, you know, um, good looking smile, like good personality. Yeah. And then Fury was 400 pounds out of the game. Didn't really like. No one really knew. Fury, like the mainstream didn't know Fury as much as. The mainstream knew Joshua. It was easier to sell Joshua easily. at the time. Yeah, yeah. way easier. And then easier. they sold this Klitschko fight like a uh, like he's a conquering hero. He's taking over the next reign. And what's interesting about Klitschko to me was like he was happy with it, dude. He was happy with he even after the fight. He was like, I'm I'm happy. I ended the fight on my feet. And I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I happy. I ended the fight on my feet, and I lost to the better younger man. Which is was amazing perspective, yeah. Yeah, which is, I think, um, he was. It seemed to me that he was happy to pass the torch, and I don't know if Fury would ever be like that. You know, I don't think Wilder would ever be like that. So Klitschko had that thing to him, like I don't know. He he respected the game in a different way than, like he he respected history a lot more than. than I don't want to say he respected it more. But he thought about that stuff yeah. when he was fighting certain people and all that. He's, a, he's more like a diplomat or like, a, I mean, his brother's a politician, but he, he kind of had that air to him. When you see him in a press conference, when you see him in the, the post-fight interviews, right. he's just a lot more. He even, he even describes it being like a gentleman's fight. Yes, no and trash talking. Everybody treating each other with respect. Nobody throwing anything at each other during the pre-fight press conference. Right. And really both guys in the lead up to the fight were, were super respectful of each other. They understood what the opportunity meant for both of them and what right. the fight meant for both of them. Joshua saw it as, hey, it's this great opportunity for me to, to get my name out there globally, fight this, this star of the, of the sport. And for Klitschko, it was like, maybe this could be my moment of redemption. I could, you know, get back on top, have my, you know, have my titles back and then, you know, maybe reign a little bit longer, but, or maybe I could look good losing. That you know, too. I, think, I think he had that, you know, he had that feeling of like, it's okay if I look good losing. Just some of the stuff you would say. Even before the fight, he did, they did like one of those, uh, not face off, but they call it the gloves are off yeah. or something. Yeah. And uh, Klitschko was like, when I, when, if you beat me, I'll congratulate you. But when I beat you, I'll help you come back. <laughs> it's like, That's dude, awesome. like, why are you there? It's like. You're thinking too hard about this stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, just, like, go for the win. Yeah. Yeah. He just had, like, a different perspective going into the fight than you would expect a, a heavyweight champ. You'd like, expect him to be super hungry coming off that last like fight. a killer. Yeah. You know? Again, I mean, he he held up his end in the ring. There's nothing to be ashamed of in the ring, so. Who are we to judge him, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we're, like, dissecting after the fact. But, like, if you start, like, thinking about the mindset... I think there was some sort of the cloud in the back of his head. Like, it's okay if I lose this fight. This will be the end for me. Although there was, like, rematch clauses and all that after the fight that we could probably talk about. Um, but, yeah, it just seemed to me that he was okay with going out this way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in the fight, in the fight, it didn't seem like he was calculating or, you know, holding on to Joshua or anything like that. Because he, he very clearly seemed to turn the tide. After his knockdown, after he got knocked down, yeah, it was the impressive. tide completely shifted. Yeah, and so he wasn't like one of those guys, like, "Hey, I'm down on the cards. Let me just, you know, hold on for dear life for the last five, six all. rounds." He was still coming at Joshua, and maybe up until the last round, I, I felt like he was he he again. He just kind of turned the tide and was like, "I'm in this fight. I'm not going out. Just kind of uh, you know grasping this guy up until the end, and I'm not going to get knocked out either." He just he just had a, a solid plan. It just you know, ended up coming up a little bit short. True. I mean, he, I think he arguably won that, that round that he got knocked down in because he came back and started winning the round. Yeah. I think it was round five. And then round six, he knocks, you know, Joshua down. And he, you could argue that he was winning on the scorecards, even though he wasn't officially. But, I mean, he was right there. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. He got tired. Yeah. I mean, he's 40, 41 years old. Right? Yeah. But I mean, he looked like a beast. Yeah. 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 Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about just the the venue. We we touched base on you know we touched on it a little bit earlier on about this being at Wembley, right? Ninety thousand people in the arena. 
Um, this was the second Wembley. So the first one was built in the 20s, 1923, demolished, and then they, they rebuilt it in, in 2007. Mm. Um, so 90000 for this fight. But Wembley's had a, a history. This, this version of Wembley has had the Froch versus Groves, the second fight, mm-hmm. uh, 80000 for that. Fury and, and White had 94000 Oh, wow. And then just the setting, right? So after the fight, when Josh was in the, uh, he's doing his interview, it was amazing that Lennox was there, Evander Holyfield was there, and uh, Roy Jones, they were all ringside. And he's, he's calling them out, not, not in a bad way, just kind of like, you know, saying like, hey, it's amazing that you guys are here and in this setting. And it, it, again, it just really seemed like a passing a torch kind of moment. Like the, the, the whole world, and, and especially all of England, was just like there in that moment with him. Yeah. It just it just seemed like it was it was Joshua's time. Both Klitschko brothers were there. Yeah, you know, I mean that venue is amazing. I didn't know they uh, rebuilt it in two thousand seven. Yeah. So prior to that, Wembley had had some amazing fights, right? So a twenty one year old Muhammad Ali fought uh, Cooper. Okay, Henry Cooper. Henry Cooper. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Then Bruno, twenty three years later, Frank Bruno fight fought Tim Witherspoon with Ali and Cooper in the crowd. Wow. Yeah. Uh, quite a few less people there. 40,000, but still a, a sizable crowd for yeah. for what that uh, venue was back then. And then Bruno fought there again in 95 against... Lennox. Oliver McCall. Oh, he yeah. beat him, huh? Fought Oliver McCall. And he beat him, right? And uh, he, beat, he beat McCall, and then Bruno had the fight with Tyson after that. Oh, uh, okay. And lost that fight. Yeah. Bruno's like a British legend. Yeah. So then after that, it was it was uh, you know it was demolished and then rebuilt and then now it's it's the amazing venue that it is now. Mm-hmm. So just an amazing setting. And then both both guys in the in the lead up to the fight kept talking about the history of boxing in in the UK, right? right. So a lot of people say that the roots of boxing are in are in the UK. And really, it was the 17 and 1800s when the bo- like boxing really became a more formal sport and rules started coming in to, to play. And there's like all the bare knuckle boxing and all that. And it had this, this stigma, I think kind of the turn of the century, 19th century. Oh, I'm sorry. rules. Yeah. The, the 20th century, I should say when, when that happened, I think there was a lot of people that were kind of placing the stigma against boxing, but then it, it just took off globally after that. Right. And you started seeing boxing pop up all across the map, especially in the U S. Yeah. I mean, boxing is, one of the maybe the oldest sports in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, I think it started in the 1600s in the UK. If you look back in the history books and all that, apparently, uh, shout to the Sumerians, there was boxing back then. The Sumerian times? Yeah, like, you know, thousands of years ago. Okay. In Iraq, they found these, like, uh, these carvings. Mm hmm. With, with guys boxing, which is incredible to think that that's going on. But then again, it's the easiest sport, right? You don't need anything. You just need another guy. And Dude, I always tell people it's the easiest sport to understand. Yeah. Like, anyone could understand what's going on in a fight. Yeah. It's like, if it's a boxing fight, two gloves, other guys two gloves, and they're the same weight, apparently like close to the same weight, and they're just fighting each other. You don't yeah. want to get into the science of it like we are. It's completely different, but if you're just trying to watch two people do something and not know too many rules about it, there you go. Yeah. The so. only thing is is some of the judges screw that part up, right? About Yeah. <laughs> there's disagreement. But that's that's, that's another science. story for another day. Yeah, that's the science. So um again, just a just an amazing venue. Um and then the, the build up to it. I, I think you referenced, you know, Joshua being an Olympic gold medalist, right? Um, but Vladimir was a gold medalist in his own he right was. too. 96, I think. 1996. And um, he kind of came up, was just had this, this sterling record as he was building up and building up. Um, two-time heavyweight champion. I think he was going for his third, uh, third time as, as champion this time around. Right. Which would have matched some of the guys like Ali and Holyfield and more. Um, and his brother Vitaly, actually. Um, came into this fight 64-4 and four, um, with some... Amazing longevity records. I'll get into that in a, in a little bit, but I mean, he can't be considered anything other than one of the the greatest boxers of, of the heavyweight division. He kind of gets lost in that because of his competition. 
Like when he was beating all these guys, I mean, there were like no name guys. No offense to the fighters that he was fighting, but I mean, they just didn't hold a candle to him. And his fights were, weren't very exciting. You know, he was grabbing hold, one, two, hold, he was always bigger, stood, stood behind the jab. You know, he, his personality was very like stoic and professional and no trash talking like a Fury or a Wilder. Uh, so he gets he lost. He wasn't like a box office, like, man, I got to run to go watch this fight. At least not for Americans. Yeah. You know? I mean, maybe he was in Europe and Germany, but not for Americans. We're used to these brash fights, especially in the heavyweight division, right? Yeah. Our, our heavyweights talk trash, and they, they have this amazing personality. And, and while his story is, is incredible, he wasn't a guy like, man, I got to watch the press conference and see what he says or see right. what he does. I mean, he was at the press conference, like, you know, speaking knowledge. It was very, like, straightforward. So... So that being said, what were his, what was his signature win, or what was what were his biggest wins? He beat Samuel Peter when Samuel Peter was like a beast. Samuel Peter was like, uh, they were comparing Samuel Peter to like a lightweight Mike Tyson because he was just you know so strong and knocked people out with one punch. Um, David Hay, he beat David Hay. Yep, a few years before that. Yeah, he beat Hasim Rahman. Hasim Rahman, and he beat Chris Bird. Be, yeah, these guys that like, like Chris Bird isn't a star in America. Hasim Rahman is only reason why people know Hasim Rahman is because Lennox Lewis. Yeah, and who did I just say? David Hay. I mean, yeah. David Hay is like, he's a big star in Europe, but he's not a star here. Like if you walk him in the mall or something in Topanga, like no one's gonna know who he is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he beat guys that like. He didn't beat like a Lennox. He didn't beat Fury, you know? He didn't have those guys when he was the champ. He didn't have those guys to beat. Or a Wilder. He didn't have like a guy like that, like talking a lot of crap. But yeah. one good thing about Klitschko is he beat everyone. Like he, he wouldn't duck anyone. Like he, yeah. he always took on the next mandatory challenger and he was dominant. Like, they were boring fights because he was dominant. Hey, they, he beat whoever they put in front of him. Right. Just yeah. the, the real tragedy is the best heavyweight around other than Vladimir was Vitaly. And yeah. those guys weren't going to fight. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it really is kind of, you know, crummy circumstances. Did I ever tell you about my, uh, the theory I heard about them fighting? No. The boxing trainer told me about no. it. So a boxing trainer, who I'm not going to name, okay. told me that they had a plan to fight each other. Vitaly Klitschko and Vladimir Klitschko. Like, they were going to tell their family members, all their, like, close friends, that they were going to fight and, like, set it all up. And one of them was going to win, and it was going to be pretty much like a BS fight. Just to, like, <laughs> make money. But it never happened. <laughs> the boxing conspiracy theories, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's, awesome. it's possibly true. Yeah. I could I could very easily have seen that again. It was it, there was years where it was just the the heavyweight division was devoid of contenders that you thought legitimately had a shot. I mean, everyone has a puncher's chance, right? But so that's I mean that's the thing like that's a testament to Klitschko's greatness. Like he made them look like nobodies, even though the heavyweight division to us was like a dark age because there weren't any top notch American fighters. In Europe, he was selling out arenas, dude. And he fought a lot in Germany. And he yeah. was, like, selling out arenas. Yeah. So. All right, so let's, let's do the, the flip side of that. Mm -hmm. Joshua, we mentioned his Olympic pedigree. But he came up, and I, I feel like his, his path to getting to this point, to fight Klitschko, and then even after, he's also fought everybody that, that they've thrown at him. But the names seem, I don't know, maybe a little bit more impressive. I don't know if you feel the same way. Like Dylan White? Like Dylan White. And then he beats Charles Martin to get his, his IBF title. And then coming into this fight, he beats uh, Dominic Brazil and Eric Molina. Okay. So all these wins are, are knockouts, by the way. I just I felt like Joshua might have had just some better competition kind of coming up. Or maybe they were, they were hyped up differently than the guys that Klitschko was fighting. Yeah, it's like, are they hyped up differently or are they better? It's hard to, it's hard to say. He, I know he had a, like a very flamboyant type of promoter. That always spoke for him, like at these press conferences. Like Eddie Hearn's the one running the freaking press conference, you know. 
Anthony Joshua's not really talking so much. It's Eddie Hearn. So he had that. He had England behind him, like rowdy English fans, English boxing fans. Um, he had the Wibley Stadium, the O2 Arena. Yeah, home field advantage. He was younger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he had that look, like we're talking about. He had personality. He had, like, Dre beats on his neck all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like Klitschko didn't have that stuff. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Hearn for a second. Yeah. Um, so after the Eric Molina fight, he gets in the ring and he announces the, the this fight, the Klitschko fight. But you can't again. You can't. We were talking about how you can't tell the story of heavyweights without talking about Fury. You can't really tell the story about boxing in the last give or take ten years without talking about Eddie Hearn and everything that that he's done. Right. He took over the reins recently for his his dad, the Matchroom. Yep. Right, and then since he's come on board, he's kind of—I don't want to say ridden the coattails, but the heavyweight division has just escalated since he got involved. Fury and and Klitschko was kind of the the start. It was like the spark of of this like new era of of heavyweights, right? And then you add Fury to that. You add guys like Luis Ortiz to that. You add guys like Ruiz to that, right? I mean, all these guys that have and now Usyk, right? There's there's all these guys and Wilder. That have just kind of piled into that division and made it like, wow, there, there's a bunch of good fights that you could potentially see. And you can mix and match those guys however you want. Yeah. Um, but Hearn's been there for all of it. He's been around a lot. You know, he talks a lot. Uh, I think that um, there's a stigma about him. People think like, you know, he's kind of a BSer. Talks a lot. Just doesn't like, there's not a lot of like substance to what he says. He just like, like talks about fights and they don't happen. I mean, a lot of people say that. He protected Anthony Joshua for years, and I think that. I, I do agree with that. Like, you know, he did not put him in there with, like, Wilder when Wilder was undefeated and calling for him. Um, he didn't put him in there with Fury for one reason or another. He has a lot of, like, he has a lot of clout. He just has a lot. He has a mouthpiece, and it's not always, it doesn't always work and doesn't really, a lot of people don't like him. But to his credit, I mean, he's he's promoted for, Joshua for Canelo, for Loma, for Triple G, right? Did he promote Loma? Maybe yeah. he did. Well, he's a, he's connected with the Zone. Yeah, so he's got he's he's got that deal with the Zone. Yeah, he had that deal with Sky Sports, which I, I think I mean at least that initial deal that he had. Um, so I mean he's he's packing these huge stadiums, right? He's packing oh, he's with great 9, at what he does. seventy thousand yeah. at the Cowboy Stadium, right? For that Canelo fight. Um, against Saunders, it's it's like he he's willing to, to take the biggest risks. The Joshua and Ruiz rematch was in Saudi Arabia, right? So I mean, he's 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 not one to shy away from the moment. But like you said, I mean, maybe there's some things that that don't come to fruition. But the ones that he does get on the books are some huge events. And then the DAZN deal is massive. It's like a, a billion dollar deal, isn't it? Something like that. That's huge. But like, why put him? In, why put Andy Ruiz in there with Anthony Joshua? Like, why would you do that? Well, that story is a little crazy because the lead up to it. But again, Joshua probably should have been fighting Fury or Wilder, right? right. I mean, if you were going to say who were the top three in that in the, when this fight was taking place, or right after this fight, those were the three guys, right? And everybody was assuming that Joshua was going to fight one Wilder of those guys, Fury, right? They ended up fighting each other. And they're fighting each other. And the, one of the main reasons why is because of Eddie Hearn. Yeah. Like, Eddie Hearn was seriously protecting an investment in Anthony Joshua because of all of those positive things that we're saying about him that many sports fans just overlook because they don't think that deeply about the sport. So, of, of boxing, sport of boxing. So, I mean, I, I like Eddie Hearn. I do think he's good for boxing because he is young and he talks about, you know, a lot of a lot of positive things about the sport and it seems like he wants to make good fights, but there are also times when you I just see through the bullshit. You know, he just talks a lot of shit and it doesn't really a lot of stuff just doesn't happen. Because he's he's just talking about it and I think he rubs people the wrong way. Like other promoters the wrong way. Well, I mean, he did have that Logan Paul and KSI fight too, right? So there's, <laughs> yeah, he's there's a, a lot of that. I mean, he's a he's an entertainer, right? That that's that's right. what he's doing. Right. You could everything you've said, you could say about all the others, every other top notch promoter, right? That's I mean, their job is to create a buzz and controversy and, and all that. 
he's no different. I, I, the one thing I will give him is, I mean, he's a younger guy. Like this, this guy could. Bob Arum's like 150 years old now. I mean, like right. he could probably do this for another 30, 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. So I, I really think he's here to stay. I do too. And you know, if if he continues to link up with you know the Zone and Sky Sports and and other groups that are going to be streaming these fights and, and bringing it to the masses, and he's he's able to secure these large venues like that, boxers are going to flock to him. Yeah, no I mean, choice. He's he's only getting better. Right, I mean, he's, he can only get better over time. Yeah, um, you know, we're we're nitpicking about these criticisms, but you know, he's only going to get better. Yeah, and there, there's, I mean, as long as he's involved with like you know high profile fighters, there's going to be high profile fights. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, a couple of the other characters around the fight. So, uh, uh, trainers, Jonathan Banks. With Vladimir since 2012, after Emmanuel Stewart had passed away. That's right. Definitely wanted to mention that part. But also, he's he's now training Triple G, which That's is always right. kind of cool. Especially with this last this recent fight that Triple G had with with Canelo and seeing him there was was cool. I never liked the Jonathan Banks Klitschko combination. Really? Yeah, man. It's like you're having a trainer that's pretty much your age, like tell you what to do, and he's he's not really like a you could say he wasn't a better fighter than he was a former heavyweight. He's not a better fighter than Klitschko. No, you mean no, you could no. argue that he doesn't know more about boxing than Klitschko, right? <laughs> like it's a very he's got to have someone training him, right? Yeah. Who would you have had training him? I don't know, but I mean, like I would, I would want someone that's kind of like punking me around. Okay, you know what I mean? Like that's right. just the way I would want to get trained. All right. I mean, this guy's a world champion. Who am I to say I could get I trained better than Klitschko can? But to me, like it just seemed like. Jonathan Banks wasn't an authority figure in the in the in the gym. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. Do you feel the same way about him training Triple G and, and yeah, some other guys coming after for him? For sure. Wow. Triple okay. G got right. worse when he, he got uh, trained by Jonathan Banks. He was with Abel Sanchez and he was like this beast. Yeah, Abel was Abel was great for his career. And what happened? Uh, Triple G lost to Canelo the second time, and he. Pretty much fired Abel Sanchez, went to the zone, and hired Jonathan Banks, and he started fighting all these like chumps before he fought Canelo, and like it was just like a money fighter. Yeah. So he got he regressed with Jonathan Banks. Interesting. Yeah. In my opinion. All right, man. I didn't think we were gonna go that way with this conversation <laughs> on Jonathan Banks, man. I just thought it was cool to see him. I'm I'm doing research for this fight, and I see him with the Canelo fight. So, dude, Jonathan yeah. Banks is gonna kill me. I know, this. yeah. Just walk on the other side of the street, man. Uh, Rob McCracken with Joshua. I didn't really see too much on him. He's been training him for was well, training him forever until recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just his trainer forever. Yeah, I didn't see much else on you know guys he's worked with or. Anything like that. Um, all right, so press conference uh, in, the, in the lead up to the fight. Klitschko even references is going to keep it short and simple. He referenced the fact that he didn't like that he was the challenger, right? Like you said, it's been 10 right. years, 12 years, whatever, since he was a challenger and an underdog going into this fight. That's right. He said that he's obsessed with the idea of being a winner again and, and having his hand raised in the ring. That's right. Then he brought out the USB. And he pulls out the, the USB stick. You want to talk about that? No, go ahead. So he said it would be sewn into his robe and auction off. So what was on the USB stick? Uh, it was his prediction about what would happen in the fight. Yeah. Like he made a video on the USB stick like a week before the fight. And he's like, I'm going to bring it out after I win. <laughs> but he says it so like, you know, professionally. And, uh, <laughs> All, this, all the proper words. But he said he was going to auction off for, for his foundation and all that, which was which was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> he said he sees himself a lot in, in Anthony Joshua, which I, I thought was kind of a, a cool nod of, of respect um, and how he appreciated, again, the professional nature of the press conference. Another remarkable thing was just he started he, – so he's, he's Ukrainian, right? Right. But he's answering questions in English, and then he starts answering questions in German – Amazing. Which I was like, man, this like how versatile is this guy? Yeah. You know? He was a doctor. He was a doctor. Just a remarkable, remarkable guy. You know, Joshua was like he almost seemed like sheepish. Like he didn't wanna he didn't want to put himself out there. He didn't wanna, you know, like 
talk too much. He also just kept it short. He smiles a lot. Not not that there's anything wrong with that. He just he's not this again brash heavyweight that's gonna you know sit there and and go after his opponent and and talk trash about his training or anything. It was just very very simple. He didn't have to sell the fight, man. You know, like that's already being sold for him, so he doesn't have to talk crap. Yeah, and he respects Klitschko. And they know each other. They're shaking hands, laughing. They're like laughing, dude, at, at like every point, you know? Yeah. Before the fight, after the fight, they're like raising, you know, it was just, that, that level of respect was incredible. It was respect and it was business. Respect and business. Yeah. All right, so more business at the, at the weigh-in. Vladimir looks incredible. Yeah. He comes in at 240, lighter than his usual. I don't know what since this is like a European fight. Like, what is that weight in stones? What is like a stone? Like Twenty pounds or something. <laughs> so then, uh, and then Joshua obviously he comes on the scales and he's got one of the best bodies in in boxing, like heavyweight boxing history. Right. He kind of looks like like Foreman back in his day. You know, he's got these like huge shoulders, muscles like sticking out. You know, he's just like this bull, like a statue. Yeah, they're pretty much eye to eye. It seemed like Vladimir might have been a little bit taller than him, and then they just bump fists at the end, like. Like cordial, like they just like you know seen each other at like a like a beer garden or something. Klitschko kept on going like this. Peace. <laughs> there was a theory that Klitschko was on some sort of uh, PEDs, just because of like his physique. He looked incredible. Yeah, for forty one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he just looked amazing. Um, yeah. so now we get to the fight, the walkouts. Like you said, Joshua's walkout took. Seemed like you know, fifteen know, minutes. It wasn't like a Prince Nassim walkout, but still, it was. No. <laughs> it was a long one. Fireballs and all this crazy <laughs> stuff. You know, it was just like incredible. Three different songs. It was like a party. It was one of the best walkouts I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a party. Yeah. Uh, anything on the ref that we should know? No, but uh, he's an American ref, and he's he's ref like a lot of heavyweight fights, and. They needed a bigger guy in there. He was a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. And now for the fight. So, um, early on, right? I mean, the, the action was, was pretty good. They seemed like they were kind of feeling each other out at first. Mm-hmm. Just looking at the, the stats of the first few rounds, it seemed like Joshua had it, had it in the bag, like right out the gate, right? His, right. Stats, were, his stats were off the, you know, all, not off the charts, but just way, he was just way more active than, than Vladimir was in terms of throwing. He had more active feet, throwing more power punches, coming out of the gate. So that seemed like a smart strategy for him to kind of get ahead on the cards. But Klitschko looked more engaged. He was also, he was also, like I said, he was engaged. He was pretty active. He was moving his feet too. But again, it just seemed like Joshua had more power, and he was just, he was just more active. Maybe, maybe Klitschko was, fear, um, sorry, maybe Klitschko was rusty. Maybe that, or maybe you know, Anthony Joshua was younger. And you got to remember, they know each other. They've, t- they've trained together. So they know their tendencies. And it's the timing thing, too. You know, timing thing could have been a rust issue. It could have also been a, uh, a, youth- a youthful issue. You- youth of speed, all these things. Yeah. Yeah. So round four, Joshua starts landing more and more. And then round five is just epic. Right. Um, gets knocked down in the first minute, right? Joshua just, it looked like he chopped him down like a tree, you know? Yeah. And then he opens up a cut, but then he gets gassed. Yes. And then Vladimir starts landing huge hooks and then... Uppercuts. Uh, and yeah, and, and Joshua is, is on his heels all of a sudden. You're like, what the heck happened here? How did right. this, this tide change so quickly? And then round six, both guys are throwing wild, but Vladimir looks, he just looks fresher. He does. For some reason. And he, he throws that, that right that just puts Joshua on his butt. And you're like, what the heck am I watching here? Right. This fight just, might be an all-timer. It, I mean, that just like changed everything. And it became, it, it became an all-timer just because of that. Yeah. You rarely see one guy get knocked down in a heavyweight title fight. And then the next round, he knocks down the other guy. And then it becomes this like huge, like epic drama show. Yeah. It started getting a little sloppy, like Vladimir threw Joshua like halfway across the ring. That's right, um, and and into the ropes. Joshua barely makes it through the round. End of round six. End of round six. Yeah, and then round seven. It, it seemed like Klitschko was like slowing down, and yeah. when he really should have just kept on pressing forward. Yeah, he slowed his pace down. It seemed like 
he got back to like that that more cautious style. Right. And Joshua seemed fine with it. Like he was like starting to get his legs under him again. Yeah, he he, he regained confidence, which was like a huge error by Klitschko because he had like if he landed a few more punches, like Joshua would have been down or probably out. Who knows? Uh, I think like to your point when you were saying that Joshua was talking to Klitschko, it's because he was he was regaining confidence, and that could be a regret for Klitschko. That he didn't, you know, try to finish the job early on the seventh or eighth round. Yeah, it seemed like Vladimir controlled the pace the rest of the way. Yeah, but then Joshua was like, "Wait a minute, I like, can still win." I, I took his best shot. I got back up, and now um, you know, now he's slowing down. Yep, he might be winning a round or two, but I'm I'm now back in this fight. Right, I'm a younger guy, and he's just he's he's talking to him, and you could see it kind of just give him that much more confidence going forward. Totally. And then, um, and then we didn't really talk about. We never really talk about the the guy, the cut man. But Stitch did an amazing job stopping that blood in, in Vladimir's cut. That's it right. It looked like it could have gotten way more nasty than it than it was. Um, and even Roy Jones and and uh, Jim Lampley referenced it during the fight about how he was able. I mean, it was like the cut never even happened. Well, Stitch is the man, dude, I and mean, he's been around forever. And you know, he was he was. Being a, he was a cut man for the UFC fights as well for a little while, and was uh, dude. I've talked to Stitch a few times. Actually, like we've texted here and there, and he told me that there's no school for cut man. You know what I'm saying? Like you just got to <laughs> learn this shit on the go. Like you got to like carry a bucket at first, and then hopefully become a cut man in a, in a corner. And then you build a reputation, and then you become this like you know where he's at, like, this, like an like, expert nurse. Yeah, <laughs> on the fly and. Freaking one minute. Vaseline, you know? of, Yeah, stop a cut one oh minute. Oh, my God. Some, yeah. Of those, yeah, some of those cuts that they deal with are, right. are gnarly. Um, so let, let's fast forward. So now we're, we're getting to the start of the 11th. AJ lands a big shot to start that round. And then we get one of the best uppercuts that, <laughs> that I've ever seen. Almost looked like Klitschko's neck came off. Yeah. Like his soul left his body. I think we we've referenced that that shot that that Lewis hit uh, Vitali with, right? Like a sledgehammer, but this was just like soul crushing, man. Dude, like you've seen those pictures of like his neck, like all separating from his body. Yeah, you know his neck is just like Gumby or something. <laughs> he sends him into a half spin, which I think was amazing. Because normally when I when I see this punch, it's the the still, like you said, right? It's like the still shot of his neck yeah. like, detaching. Or his head detaching from his neck, um, but just in that moment, you're like, "Oh my god, this this guy Josh was a monster." Yeah, I mean, it was, Klitschko's an even bigger monster for taking that shot and getting back up. Right. So there's two knockdowns in that round. Joshua finishes him off with a flurry, and the ref comes in and just uh, stops right. the fight. Then you notice how Joshua like smiles after the, they stop the fight. He like kind of stares at him and smirks and walks away. It's, it's and then uh, Tony Bellew goes in the corner like kisses him and Eddie <laughs> Hearns like in the ring. It's like it's like a movie, dude. Yeah. It's like a movie. Yeah. So uh, so interesting with with where that fight was on the cards. What what did you have it scored at that time? What was it round eleven? Yeah, I think I had it even. Really? So ninety five, ninety five. That's. I think that's what I had it. So I had it. I had it ninety five, ninety three. Joshua, uh, one one uh, judge had it ninety six, ninety three. One had it ninety five, ninety three for Joshua, and one ref actually had it ninety five, ninety three for for Klitschko. Okay, which I thought was interesting. I, I don't know if I would have had Klitschko up, but I could see him having won four rounds for sure, including mm-hmm. a ten eight mm-hmm. um, when he had that knockdown. And maybe he stole one of the first rounds. I mean, it w- I thought he was winning, like, after the knockdown, he was winning those middle rounds. Yeah. He just went on a run. Yeah. He went on a run, and he really controlled the Maybe fight, he but. felt like he could just outbox him for the rest of the fight. Yeah. Which is probably why he didn't, you know, go for the kill. Yeah. On the seventh round. He could, like, outclass him or... Yeah, like, hey, I got this fight under control. I don't need to, like, waste my energy and try to knock him out. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. Maybe yeah. that's what he thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting to see kind of the the difference in the scores. It's interesting how much we, like, dissect what he thought on that split second. Yeah. You know? 
It's like he's probably just reacting. He was just reacting. Yeah, his instincts just took over. Yeah. But his experience too. Experience plays a major key. So. So we get to the post fight. It's all respect and love, and you know, like everybody's everybody's super cool. Like you said, Joshua's Joshua's celebrating. He's got all his his uh, his guys in the ring with him, the promoter, and right. And uh, Joshua calls out Fury, That's not like right. a rude way, but he's he's kind of like calling, hey, you know, hey Fury, I'm here. Vladimir says the best man won. Again, super respectful. He talks about the rematch and how he wants the rematch. That that's in the claw. Like there's there's that clause for that for that fight to take place. So right, seems like that's where the the train is headed. Like we're gonna have this this second fight. Um, and then Eddie Hearn comes out. And he gets booed by the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and they ask him about what's next for both of these fighters. Is the rematch gonna happen? And he said, "Oh, let's just celebrate tonight. That's all we want to talk about." He didn't really want to get into it. But I get. Let, let's talk about then what actually did happen. So what was next for for Joshua? So he had a couple mandatory fights. That were triggered because he had those belts, but didn't he? Uh, he had an opportunity to fight Klitschko. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So yeah. then, then he has the clause that he's, he's supposed to fight Klitschko. They had a date set uh, for November. They were going to do it in Vegas. Wow. And then four months, less than four months after the fight in August, Vladimir retired. Okay. So he retired in August, but they were supposed to fight in November. In November. Yeah, he retired like right maybe a week or two before he was supposed to sign on to the rematch. Yeah, that's right. Question for you: We've we've talked about other guys staying too long. That you know, boxers stick around way longer than they should. I mean, he's forty-one, right? And right, you'd like to think guys got you know some something else that they can do, especially a guy like Vladimir who's so well-rounded. But he was still champ for so long into his late thirties. So did he did he get out at the right time? Did he stay too long? What do you think? I think he got out at the right time. I gotta agree. Yeah, you know, it's like he lost his title. He comes back and fights the champ, has a great effort, and loses that fight too. And you know, he we were talking crap about his like mindset about you know being okay with losing, but you know, it's kind of like an injured athlete that goes out on his own terms, like a football player or something that comes back and just like retires on his own terms, doesn't let his, the injury retire him. Like maybe that's sort sort of his mindset. And he had more to offer. Like he still had the rematch clause, and there he still kind of like comes in the media once in a while, talks about making a comeback at like forty six or forty seven. Now, um, yeah, man, he he went out at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And his uh, his career just just the numbers behind his his career speak for itself. So longest combined world championship reign in heavyweight history, unbelievable. Uh, Twelve years. He's got the most. Beaten opponents and wins in world heavyweight title bouts since, like, like the, the regulatory bodies came came about, right? These international bodies. With 23 and then 25, respectively. He fought in 29 world heavyweight title fights more than any other boxer in history. The most wins in unified title bouts. And then the longest uh, unified championship reign. So he had 15 title bouts and then 14 consecutive defenses. Unbelievable, man. Right? I mean, yeah. again, you, there's some days you might not, but the other guy might get lucky and put you down, and but he, it just never happened. Yeah. It just never happened. And he had a long career, what, 20, 21 or 20 years? Yeah. Dude. Took on all comers. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. Tyson wasn't around. Holyfield wasn't around. Second most successful title defense of every, any heavyweight boxer. The only guy with more, like you said, was Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. What do you have, 21? 25. And he had 23. I no, mean, Joe Holmes, Lewis had 26. And this guy had 23? 23. Wow. Holmes had 20 and Ali had 19. Wow. And then, I mean, he's just a fascinating guy, right? He speaks four languages. He was an adjunct professor at a university in Switzerland. He, had, he was engaged and had kids with... Or a kid with Hayden Panettieri. I don't right. remember that. Right. Yeah. Um, he's a soldier. In now Ukraine. he's a soldier. He joined his brother in Ukraine. Uh, yeah. It's just the the guy's story and his legacy are are incredible. Always held himself with respect. Always has that like pedigree to him. Yeah. World champion. Giant. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. He's like Peyton Manning. Yeah. He's incredible. Well respected around the world. Yeah, and again, like you said, his legacy now beyond boxing with what he's doing in Ukraine is 
It's amazing. It is. It's amazing. So it was a legacy fight. Definitely a legacy fight. And you can go back and watch this and be like, he went out, maybe not on top, but it was a top showing. It was a top event. It was probably one of the, if it wasn't the fight of the year of 2017, it was one of the, the top fights of that year. As well. Oh, it has to be the fight of the year. I mean, it's probably the biggest fight in British boxing history. Yeah. 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 And and when you uh, you know there was a in the post fight when HBO went back and looked at the fight Lampley and Max Kellerman were talking about what this fight meant and Kellerman said this is the biggest fight he was ever a part of. Wow. Up until that moment, and you know Kellerman's been part of you know for twenty years he was he was on our TV and in these like amazing you know fights and he considered that to be the best. Well, there you go. It's incredible. Yeah, man. We mentioned that Joshua had some mandatory fights. That he had to go through. The trigger for the rematch with Vladimir was null because now Vladimir's out. Kubrat Pulev was up Pulev. first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, it was funny. I'm sorry, but, go ahead. No, but Pulev is... Uh, Anthony, when Anthony Joshua sparred with Klitschko, he sparred with Klitschko while Klitschko is preparing himself to fight Pulev. Amazing. Yeah, and I think that was maybe three years before this fight. So... Wait, so, he, he fought Pulev when? Hang on. So the fight with Pulev okay. is supposed to be first up. He gets injured. Carlos Takam jumps in mm-hmm. and Joshua schools him. He beats Joseph Parker. He beats Alexander Povetkin. And then it seemed like finding his next opponent was impossible all of a sudden. So Dylan White claimed he was lowballed on the offer. Okay. Didn't take the fight. Jarrell Miller... Had a, it was like a crazy press conference. They pushed Joshua. There was right. uh, all this going on, right? Then he tested positive for a banned substance. So he's out. Well, Luis Ortiz was supposed to step in, but he wanted more money, so it didn't happen. Yeah. And then uh, Ivan Ditchko, Manuel Char, and Andy Ruiz were some of the names that got put forward. So about, I don't know, a few weeks before the fight, Ruiz gets the call. Right. And it's got to be one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. Yeah, it changed history. It changed boxing, uh, you know, present-day boxing. And Andy Ruiz becomes this, this, like, overnight sensation. The new Buster Douglas. The new Buster Douglas. Yeah. I don't know what the odds were for that fight. But, it, it, I mean, forget the odds. You just see, it, like, all respect to, to uh, Ruiz, but he looked like a ball of dough. Yeah. Versus this dude who's like a... Like the statue of David, like chiseled. Seriously. And he's he's towering over him. You're like, this is going to be, you know, it's like a joke. Yeah. I remember being out at dinner and getting a, like an update on my phone and being like, what the? Like, how, there's no way this happened. Yeah, the fight like, took place in, in Madison Square Garden. Joshua's first fight in America. So maybe there was some of that going on. But it just seemed like by the time Joshua went down the last time and he's in his corner, he's he. it was like he was like calculating in his head, like, do I... Do I go back out there? Do I not go back? Like, he was just, like, running through what was going on. Yeah. And the ref was like, this isn't a break. Like, you need to get out there and, right. and fight. I've, I've counted. You, you beat the count. I'll get back out there. And he just, he didn't take the two, three steps forward that he needed to and to keep the fight going. And then afterwards, he's, like, hugging Andy Ruiz. Yeah. And he's, like, he's like posting pictures on Instagram, riding a bike at Times Square. <laughs> like, this, like, the weird side of Anthony Joshua came out. Yeah. Maybe we got a glimpse of, of what was to come. So then, fast forward, he gets that, that second fight with Ruiz. It's in Saudi Arabia. Yep. He, he kind of wore Ruiz down. Easy decision in that fight. I think he, it was, he was like 10-2, 11-1, yeah, something like that. Yeah, he just stayed on the outside. Didn't really engage too much. Yep. And right. Andy Ruiz came in like at 280-something, two, 280 pounds. <laughs> like so out of shape. And it was like six months after this fight or something. After the first fight. So like... He was probably so hyped up about winning the first fight, didn't really train for the second fight. Yeah, yeah. Credit to Ruiz though, since we we seen yeah, him yeah. recently, he's gotten in a lot better oh, yeah. shape. I mean, and fought, yeah, beat Luis Ortiz. He's yeah. a name now. He's he's definitely a name oh, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He might fight Wilder next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So then Joshua fights Pulev, wins that, and then he's got Alexander Usyk after yeah. that, and it kind of goes sideways for him. He loses two unanimous decisions within the last year. Yep, about that. And but, then, but really, the story was his bizarre showing after the second fight. Right. He kind of just 
He just had like a, I don't want to say he had, maybe he had a breakdown. I don't know. He just seemed like he lost it. He lost his, yeah, he lost his composure. But what's crazy is like, he's still a big star. You know, like, I'd still watch him against Wilder in a heartbeat. I'd still watch him against Fury in a heartbeat. I would watch those guys fight Joshua more than I would watch them fight Usyk. 100%. 100%. It's about the event, dude. It's not really about, you know, the technical aspect of the fights. So, Joshua's a star, man. And his story isn't done yet. No, definitely not. No. Definitely not. I think I think with Joshua, like you said, you see that he's on a card and maybe not Ruiz again, but let's say he is fighting Wilder or Fury. I mean, if he fought Fury, that would be like That'd be like this Klitschko fight. That would be that would be the biggest fight in UK boxing history. Easily. That yeah. would I mean, I don't even know where they would have to host that thing, because ninety thousand there'd be I mean, they'd mm. probably have like a million people trying to get into uh-huh. the fight, right? Right. So um I don't know. I mean, I th- I think Joshua really can help kind of carry the division going forward, but he just he's just got to get his act together. I think he does, like he does help the division. His name is still strong, you know. He's a you could you could argue he's a top five popular boxer, like in popularity. Yeah, he's he's got to be today like in the top five. Yeah, like Canelo Fury. He's got to be in there, dude. Who else? Is it Wilder or one of these like lighter weight guys? I mean, Mayweather's retired. Yeah. Who else? Like, I don't know. He's got to be in the top five. Yeah. I mean, Crawford. I think he's Probably more popular not. than Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Globally, we know obviously Joshua won the fight, but who won? You know, who won the fight? I think boxing won. Sport of boxing. You know, it was a great atmosphere, great event. I think I don't think about when I think about this fight. I'm not thinking like, oh my god, Anthony Joshua's like unbeatable. I'm thinking like, man, that was a great, great event, great fight. I look back and I like, I like, it makes me feel good thinking about it. You know, I mean, it's like a good. It, it was just a great story, like the way it was set up, and then the fight was spectacular, and the ending was spectacular, and it was just a clean, perfect ending. I think the boxing won, dude. Yeah. What do you think? I, I took a little bit more of like a, a micro focus. So I, I was I was saying the heavyweight division. Okay. So boxing, I think boxing did win. Um, but I say with the heavyweights, you know, at that time, we still technically had Vladimir. We had Joshua. Fury was kind of waiting in the wings, right? We had Wilder across the, you know, across the pond. And then... Thinking back on it, there was all these other kind of fringe guys, right? There was there's Ortiz, there's Usyk kind of coming up. Ruiz was about to to get the title in a couple of years after. So I just I felt like this was kind of the start of this new era of heavyweights. There you go. That's a good um, one. You know, again the the stakes of the of the heavyweight division have just continued to rise. So it's unfortunate that the the Klitschko's time kind of kind of came to an end. But circling back, this is bring a full circle to what we talked about at the top of the podcast, which was this, you know, the Klitschko era ended and it might not have been the most exciting or the, it wasn't an era that had a lot of spectacle or it wasn't an era that had a lot of super exciting fights that we wanted to tune into. But as, as he was going out the door, he gave us one of the best fights of all time. Seriously. And it led to now, the last five years where it seems like every few months we've got these some great heavyweight fight that we're going to tune into yeah i mean that's a great point man i mean there's been over five great heavyweight fights since then yeah i mean the wilder fury fights these some of these joshua fights are awesome so this was the start of it you're right this is the start of the new era and changing uh, of the guard yeah yeah so Again, and we've and it's a healthy division. I think going forward, it'll be an exciting one to watch. All right, so what do you give this fight on a scale of one to ten? Um, I always give them high scores, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I give it like a nine-one. Okay. Yeah, I give it a nine-one. I thought, um, once again, you know, the event was amazing. It was great for boxing, and the fight was awesome. I mean, I don't know what else I could really 
I, I can't really find that many flaws about this event. You know, like we're, we're trying to nitpick about Eddie Hearn and all that, but Eddie Hearn put this thing together, dude. Like, why, why, why am I hating on Eddie Hearn about this? Or Jonathan Banks? Like, it's just part of the story, dude. So I think nine one's good. Maybe nine, nine two. Yeah. What do you think? I said eight point nine. Okay. Um, I probably would have been up there too, but just the, these guys were were so professional leading up to the fight. That's there was true. no build up afterwards. It wasn't like. There was any kind of trash talk in the ring, or it was just you know. But uh, again, the 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 spectacle, the entertainment value, the fact that you can go back and revisit this fight. This is a fight you can go back and watch all the time, and you can leave it on in the background, for yeah, like, for like an hour before they even fight. Yeah. So maybe eight point nine is a little too low, but I I just you know I really enjoyed the fight, and it, it's definitely an all timer. All right, Raymond. Cool. Until next time. Yes, sir.